guys how are you guys doing hey josh hey tolu i'm good good thanks how are you i'm not too bad um thank you so much for finally making our time to be here for this session i know it's taking us a very very long time to to get to this point but just before we get into i mean the crux of the matter how have you been? How's your day going? And by the way, for those listening, Tolu is joining us from Washington, D.C. And Nani is joining us from Kenya. So you guys get to experience, you know, the best part of both worlds. And, you know, somewhere um, somewhere along the show, you know, they will get to introduce themselves. So um, how, like, how is your day going? I know Tolu is just probably... 2 p.m. for you. How's your day going? And after that, Nani, you can you can maybe go forward. So it's a beautiful Friday afternoon here in DC. I'm currently at the office. Uh, took an hour break to to do this and speak to you guys today. Um, looking forward to Friday night. I don't have any plans yet, but let's see how that goes. And yeah, today's my first time also meeting Nani, so I'm excited to be making a new friend today. Um, how's your Friday going, Nani? Great. No, um, my day's been good. I've been working from home and um, I think it just finished maybe like an hour or so ago and no plans for Friday night. I think I'm going to be watching um, The Walking Dead. I feel like after 25, you cannot be found in the club. <laughs> <at 25. laughs> I'm telling you, like the Over. bed just seems more and more welcoming the older you get. Like, I just can be indoors. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, shout out to all Gen Z's out there. I mean, <laughs> if you still. I mean, your rep, like your rep, like your rep is still um, like your rep is still up there. <laughs> All right then. Um, fortunately, um, not Gen Z, and I think I'm losing my millennialness, if there's any word like that, right? Because I don't watch movies. I think like like my life has changed so much, and I'm still trying to figure out um the kind of things that I like or the things I I enjoy. So, anyways, thank you once again for making our time to be here. I'll just give a brief introduction as to, you know, why Thrive Podcast, why Unboxing Development or Development Development Unbox. The aim of this podcast is to provide rich conversations around the journeys of young people thriving in the international development space. We'll be curating stories from the global south through guest interviews to inspire, educate, and give insights on the to-do for living purposefully, intentionally, and also finding fulfillment. We've also seen that in the pursuit for mentorship opportunities, especially for young people, power or knowledge, dominance, young people can draw, young people tend to want to draw um, inspirations from people that are probably at the P7 levels or very high up there, and I believe that there are young people that are, you know, doing well in bilateral and multilateral organizations across the globe, especially from the global south, you know. Let's get the platform where we can get them to share their stories, and hopefully you as a young person listening to this um, to this podcast, you know, can maybe pick one or two lessons and begin to shoot your shots at international opportunities. So without, without further delay, 
Um, ladies and gentlemen, please, I would like you to welcome Tolu and also Nani. Um, please introduce yourself to our guest. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua. I think I could go first. Hi, 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 everyone. My name is Tolu. I'm from Nigeria. I am originally an engineer. I studied civil engineering and went on to do environmental engineering. And I'm currently working as a climate consultant at the World Bank Group. I've been here for about roughly five months and I've been having an amazing time. But uh, in, uh, I've been working in development for, uh, say, seven years now. And I'm eager to share more about my experience. But before I go too deep into myself and my experience, I think I'll just give the floor to Nani to also introduce herself. Nice meeting you, ma'am. Um, my name is Temwanani, also known as Nani. I'm from Malawi. I um, studied business management, um, tried a little bit of the corporate space and saw that it, it showed me flames and um, went into poverty reduction. Um, so I basically work in development, currently living in Kenya and working for UNAIDS. And yeah, just a, a young person figuring this development thing out and about have roughly about four years work experience. Wow. I mean, thanks, guys. I mean, that's a lot of rich experience. I mean, thank you so much for sharing. So I'm going to start with Tolu. Um, you spoke about being an engineer, which, I mean, now you have seven years of experience, you know, in the development space. How did you transition? Um, what exactly is development to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you, Joshua. So, so when I started out uh, fresh out of uni, I was thinking, oh, I probably want to work in an engineering consulting firm. And, you know, you kind of just have like a set um, career path in your mind. But like life comes at you with like, oh, you didn't see this coming and then you have to adapt. And that's really what happened to me. Um, it was a bit uh, difficult to get a job in engineering back in Nigeria. So I had to look for opportunities elsewhere. And over time, OK, so I, I worked for a bit in an engineering company, but later transitioned into uh, an NGO. Um, in Nigeria. I worked in Nigeria and Cameroon as well. Uh, I took a year off to do my master's. I went to study environmental engineering at Imperial in London. And then I worked for a bit in consulting in, um, in the UK. But this whole time I've been working mostly in engineering with that just one year stint with an NGO um, in Nigeria. And if I was to look at my experience uh, it's easy to just say oh it's probably only the NGO experience that probably relates to development um, but I've always known that I've been interested in working like at international organizations like the UN the World Bank the EFDB and all the other DBs and and for me <laughs> and for me trying to get if my foot into the bank or into any of these institutions I need to I needed to curate my CV to be in line with what they want and in the process of doing that and just adapting myself, I realized that there is actually no box as to what development is. Development touches a wide variety of things. And just that process helped me realize that my experience as an engineer really applies to development. So to your question about what development is, um, a lot of um, the institutions that are really spearhead in development all around the world, if you look at their missions and their goals, it's all about reducing poverty, um, improving like economic uh, prosperity and things like that and when we look at, at the core what does this entail it's it's varies from uh from 
um, from as little as maybe um, improving access to water or improving access to energy to like partnerships between public and private organizations and things like that. So it's really broad. And me from a background as a civil engineer, I realized, oh, I've supervised maybe the construction of a road or I've supervised the drilling of a borehole. All of this in one way or the other contributes to development, contributes to reducing poverty all over the world. It contributes to helping the GDP of a country grow. And this is all part of development. So development is really broad. It's hard to keep it within a box. But I think a good place to look at is probably the SDGs because I think it, it fully encompasses development is about oh um thank you so much for louis so much flames um thank you so much for giving us a very well not so very brief but very concise um explanation as to what development is and your transition over the years so nani i'm going to go to you um so do you want to give us some insights as to what you understand by development um, so like Tolu, I'm also coming from a different background where I studied business management and I had been working in, in banks and um, some private institutions, but it just didn't feel like I was contributing. Like I felt like, do sales of Coca-Cola really matter this much? Like, are they really changing lives? Like, yeah. Just, I mean, but when you look at what Tolu has said, that even those sales, they contribute to GDP. So development is really multisectoral. But I think I didn't want to um, approach development from that uh, corporate, private sector sort of uh, lens, and I wanted to be more closer to the impact. So I think when I think about what development is to me, um, first of all, it's a life of service and a life of service to what? This can be personal to any individual because development is so broad. It can go into health. It can go into economic empowerment. It can go into public and private sector partnerships. Like there's so much into development, but I think when I think about development in my own life is I just want to make my own small contributions to making people's lives better and just one person at a time. And yeah, it's about changing people's lives for the better, which ultimately contributes to a whole country's development. Just one step at a time, one person at a time. Okay, um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Nani. Um, if I picked up anything from what you said, um, you touched on development being multi-sectoral and it's pretty much being closer to the impact that you see in your everyday life and, of course, living a life of service. And Tolu also touched on, you know, development is many things. It can be boxed. It can be from the private to the public, you know. Um, you, don't have to, you don't have to box up development. Right. You know, it's just for some, according to Nani, it's like, I want to be close to the impact. For some, it's like, oh, I want to work within the private sector where I can know, like where, where I feel like I can make contributions. But I guess if there's one thing I'm picking up from here, it's pretty much around your passions, you know, around um, helping people or sort of improving humanity. So I'm just curious as to, you know, what was the biggest point, you know, for you in your transition into a development career and besides when you were transitioning into this career do you have an idea that you were transitioning into a core international development role so what was the breaking point for you like how were you able to you know just break those barriers and you know find your way into into this space 
Yeah, sure. Um, I think nothing happens without intentionality. So, for example, other people have it easy where if you're coming from, maybe you studied development studies or you did health and you want to work in a health um ingo or ngo it makes it a bit easier but maybe for those who come from a different background and they don't see how their degree um, per se might fit and their skills might fit in the development space i think it takes a little bit of strategizing so i think when i realized that i didn't want to be in the private sector forever i had to start thinking how can i build a cv or a profile that will be attractive to a um, an NGO or even in future an INGO. So I think that starts by using the current skills that I have had as a business manager or a business management professional. I can manage businesses. And if I can manage businesses, then I can manage projects. So for me, that was my mm. entry point, using my already existing skills, just applying them to a, a new field. And from there, I think I started with volunteering um, with local NGOs in Malawi, um, just places where they will not be so strict on, oh, but you've been working in a bank or, oh, but your degree is this. Places where they're just like, okay, we just need people who are passionate and you seem passionate, apply your skills. So I think it started from just taking up those jobs that were unpaid, building up those skills, um, even starting my own NGO where we were being, we were able to apply for grants, manage grants, and over time manage bigger grants, and then slowly even get into the um, bigger NGOs in my own country and also continue to grow those skills. But there was a certain point where I realized that despite this experience, I still need to at least have some sort of education that sort of rubber stamps that, okay, yes, this person is a development professional, though it's completely possible to not have any, um, like that educational background in development and still work in development. But for me, I felt like I really needed to understand the issues. And that's when I decided to do um, a master's in poverty. I think it also speaks to like fully knowing my calling. I just, I knew that I want to spend the rest of my life helping people, particularly in the area of poverty, economic empowerment, and what are some of the things that I can do to line my my profile to help me grow a career in this space. So whether that's also just having mentors in that space that can help you think through what does transitioning look like, what does leaving an old safer career because private sector you tend to i mean once you get into a bank you're you're in while the ngo space um it's a bit more contractual con you're not there for 10 years unless in some roles yes but some roles it's like a year two years so yeah just being able to think through some of those things even as i um jumped ship so to say but i think the transition was mainly fueled by me understanding that I think this is something that I'm called to do and I'm willing to take the punches because it's not like it was just easy. Oh, you want to do business. Oh, here's you want to do um, development. Here's a job. Here's a scholarship to do your master's. There you go. So I think... Yeah, it was, it was not easy. So I think being open with who you are as a person and what you want to do in this life and also understanding that that journey will not be easy and you will need to build resilience to 
to weather the storms and keep keep pursuing what you know you're you're meant to do yeah yeah thanks nani thank you so much that was a, um, that was a lot and thank you so much i took down some gems and hopefully we can share them uh, much later um so tolu i'll just go over to you do you want to yeah, share your experience um, absolutely what like a lot of what nani has shared really resonated with me and i can completely relate to it especially talking about intentionality because the development space is like a constantly evolving space it's also highly competitive and i've had a few people come into my dm say oh i want to get a job uh, and an i want to get a job in so 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 place i'm like yeah but what have you done what can you show and that's really something about um, working in development. It's like, how much are you willing to work hard for what you want to get? Um, and this is not something that I share a lot, but getting into the World Bank for me was a big, big dream of mine from as far back as I, as I, as I can remember. And I was just uh, looking through the number of applications I made before I finally got into this role at the bank. And I noticed that I applied at least over 20 times to the bank before I finally got in. And that is just like, that is dedication because I applied the first time I got a rejection, second time, up until the 20th time. And I think that level of intentionality is something that really resonates across the board for all of us working in development is that the we're just not handed what we get. We have to really work for it. Um, the second thing is just uh, the passion. So working in development is not easy. And uh, uh, Nani is probably also conversant with this, but working with NGOs, especially in the field, if you're working in the global south, is not the most uh, it's not the most fun experience. It's uh, you, it's very impactful, but it's also it uh, takes a toll on your body, on your mental health, on everything. I, I remember in back in 2018, I was working in Borno State in Nigeria where there was like active Boko Haram conflict and some nights I'm sleeping and there's like bombs going over my head and I'm like I did not sign up for this. I mean what's going on? And you know so it's like uh, so in situations like that it's like it really comes down to your passion. It's like, how much do I really want to do this? How much do I want to dedicate my time and my skills and my effort to this? Um, and the last thing I think for me that really helped me break into development was really pulling together all my skills. Um, one thing someone told, really told me is that you cannot sell yourself if you don't believe in yourself. Um, just bringing just bring that confidence, being assured in your experiences and the skills you have in your network. There's, there's one beautiful thing about leveraging your network. And, and, and Joshua mentioned something earlier. It's like, oh, people want to break into development, but they think they can only do that by getting mentors that work in, in, in the P7 level or that have 10 years of experience. But if you look around you, you have um, people with maybe one year experience more than you, people within your network. And for me, that was something that really helped me to break into this field. I always reach out on LinkedIn. I, LinkedIn is my best resource. I hound people on LinkedIn. I'm constantly in their DMs, like, oh, how did you get into this space? Talk to me. You get a lot of uh, no responses. You get a lot of cold responses, some dead ends. But really um, putting yourself out there and also being confident in the experience that you have, I think those are some of the things that help me to break into and remain in development. Um, so I'll start there for now. Okay, thank you so much. Um, lots of gems that you guys are sharing. I think one thing that stood out for me is... You can't sell yourself if you don't believe in yourself. I think that's really, really powerful. 
um, because it's one thing it's one thing for you to have a skill. It's another thing for you to be able to use that skill to help you into your next level. And at the same time, to being confident enough that you have what it takes, you know, to be able to deliver what is expected on the role. And, you know, I, I, I think if there's a, another thing that I picked up from your stories is pretty much around understanding that the journey is never easy, right? The job description sometimes can be very, very different from what you experience on the field. You know, so thank you so much for for sharing those experiences. Another question um, that I have. I think yes, also go just, for it. To, just to add on what Cholu uh, was saying about believing in yourself, I think it's also equally important to have people who believe in your abilities because there will come a time after the World Bank has rejected you 19 times, you begin to ask. <laughs> Am I fit? You begin to ask yourself that. I mean, did I really start engineering? Did I really get a master for this um, So I think it's really important to have people who will re re-energize you and believe in you and motivate you because sometimes it can get hard to see, especially in this very competitive space, like young people, a job will ask for someone with two years experience, yet young people are competing with someone with eight years experience. So it's hard yes. to, it's hard <laughs> to, it's hard to match up. It's really hard to match up. Yeah. Yeah. The game is rigged against you from the start, basically. <laughs> and I think if there's one thing that, um, that, that, um, I'm also picking up from the space is pretty much around the development field is very, very competitive, right? It's very, very competitive, especially when you are going heads to head with somebody that's probably had maybe 10 years of experience in private consulting, right? Over you, who's probably just had a fresh master's from the, um, you know, the topmost school for international development studies. You know how you feel like you have what it takes to be in the space, and you're submitting a role for probably a, a pity level. And the person that you have to probably go head to head with is somebody who has 10 years experience in private consulting, maybe also working within the social um, social sector. I think, yes, there are pros and cons when it comes to launching yourself within the development field. Thank you so much for those gems. But I'm just curious, you know, um, Tolu and Nani, you had shared briefly around, you know, setbacks, right? You know, can you just share with us, a setback that maybe share a setback that redirected you and share a setback that actually kept you on your um, was really, really discouraging for you. Cause I think it's also important, you know, to um, let people understand that, you know, there are things that like there are setbacks, but at the same time too, you know, I think it would be nice to know, you know, I mean, if like, if you are willing to share specific setbacks, you know, um, please feel free to share one that redirected you and also share maybe one that made you feel like, I don't think I'm made for this space. I might rather just probably go start selling something on Instagram or something. Yeah, so go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so I think I'll share a setback um, from the time I was in the UK. Um, so as I said earlier, um, I did the Shevning Scholarship with Josh. We were both at Sussex University and Amazing. I studied poverty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to now um, get into the INGO space 
Um, so I wanted to work with bigger NGOs and um, I had spent almost the entirety of my master's applying for jobs. Um, I wanted to move to Kenya, so I was applying for jobs in Kenya during my year in the UK. Um, but towards the end of my master's, I got a job with an organization called One Young World. I'm sure... Um, I'm sure most young people know One Young World. So for me, it was like, oh my goodness, it does not get better than working for One Young World in London. The like, dream job. It's, it, was, it was really <laughs> a dream job. And I thought I'm, I'm a, a good role for this. This is going to be good for my CV. I'm going to have like um, work experience in different uh different regions, which is very important, especially for where I'd want to go in future. Um, but stuff happened, life happened. And unfortunately, I was um, unable to take up that, to turn down that offer. And that was a very hard decision because it's like, I'm done with my master's. This was the, this was such a good next step. And I had to go home. I had to take my L, get on that plane and go home to no job, to um, not knowing what what laid before me, and um, yeah, just figure out a new a new a new plan, I guess. And that was that was a very hard experience because everybody knows how hard jobs are to come around and to get a good job and then not be able to take it. Um, that was very difficult. And as time went by, I actually had to do. Um, I got a, a role as a United Nations volunteer. Um, working in social protection. And um, I love social protection. I loved the job, but it was unpaid. Um, as you know, certain INGOs sometimes do not pay for certain types of work. Like they wanted someone with a master's, they wanted someone with certain experience, but it was just an unpaid role. And I remember sitting down and thinking, God, so me, I'm the one who, who needs to get these unpaid so I was like, I know, I don't know if you guys have seen that meme of that kid receiving a present, but he's not happy. Nah. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it was me. It was like, ah, thanks, I guess. Thanks, I guess. Like everybody else is getting paid. Me with a master's, me with my experience. I'm, I'm doing this job, but I'm not getting paid. But I did the job anyway. I learned. I got to meet different young people through it. And it really improved my my skills in social protection research and at the end of that i um that was towards june i ended up applying for one role so i had given up on applying for jobs in kenya i ended up applying for one role in the un here in kenya and i that's the current role i'm working now so um had i probably taken that job in london i would have probably never worked for the un and um that unpaid um, volunteer post probably was what showed them that, oh, she's been in the system. She can probably join us again. So even though I thought it was a lot of setbacks, a lot of no money involved <laughs> in the end, um, God was using that. So I feel like I always tell young people not to shy away from taking these unpaid roles, if you can at least, because I know other people may not be able to afford taking an unpaid role in a big NGO because they have bills, they have responsibilities. But even if you can 
take an online uh, unpaid role with a big organization in another country, that's a different time zone. So you do your, your day job and at night you do this uh, remote role in a bigger NGO, it could really help your CV. So it's like, don't, I know it's terrible, but don't shy away from those roles. I don't, I think they're, they're helpful. In the okay. Long thanks way. a lot, Nani. That's very, very helpful. Your story is a story of resilience. And I think it's just important, you know, to just also reiterate that, you know, the develop, the development space is not as rosy as you think, but if you get an opportunity for an internship, even though unpaid, you know, it might be the next thing to your, you know, next big job. So I'm just curious to do you have similar experience like Nani or, you know, a setback that, you know, really encouraged you and setback that told you, you know what, I might as well just give up. Yeah, I think like it's, it's really important that we have this conversation about setbacks because when you look around you, especially on social media, like everyone is talking about, oh, I'm pleased to announce, I'm pleased to announce. It's the LinkedIn pressure. But nobody really shares it. The LinkedIn pressure. The LinkedIn pressure. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's getting worse. Yes, so I'm always here for conversations about, you know, those I'm sorry to inform you, we regret to inform you, those emails we get, and we get them more than even those I'm pleased to inform you emails because there's nobody that can say that they've made it into the development space, whatever scholarship, whatever job you've gotten, uh, you've at least gotten maybe times five of rejections, you know. And for me, I've had a lot of that right from like even just uh, trying to get a scholarship. I think that was the hardest part from the global south, getting a scholarship to go study in the UK, in the US, wherever. Fully funded, partially funded is the hardest. The competition is crazy. Um, but for me, like just even making it through that barrier was one success story. That one was a story of like dedication, trying and trying. Of course, that one to over like what, 30 applications. I'm sure some of you can relate. I tried shipping in like what two or three times. I got my we regret to inform you every single time before I finally go. <laughs> no, you guys need to share your shipping backstory for us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got rejected for Shevning a few times before I finally got a scholarship. But I think for me, like, one um, one rejection that really broke me, I would say, was in 2020. I, I applied, 2020 or 21, I applied to the World Bank Young Professional Program. It's probably the most competitive program I've ever seen in my life because what is, what is that? What was that process? So after you submit your CV, you write 500-word essay, you submit three references, what do you do? And you submit everything, including an arm and a leg. You just go through the process. I, I think I skipped, I passed through the first round. The second round was like, um, do a higher view interview. Third round was like, oh, bring six more references. I'm like, okay, that's nine references. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. After he passed the fourth round, I had an interview. I even went all the way to Austria. I bought, I paid for my visa. I would travel to Austria and do this interview. And they just landed me with the, I'm sorry to inform you. Ah, ah, my heart sank. You know, it's one thing to apply to a job and they reject you from like the CV submission stage. It doesn't hurt as much as when you get so far, you get towards the end and you get that rejection email. It almost broke me. 
And I think uh, that uh, feeling of helplessness, that disappointment is something that we can all like identify with. It's very easy at that point in time to say, okay, I cannot do this anymore. And it's okay, honestly, to feel that way because that's how I felt. I let myself grieve for about two weeks or three weeks. I let myself feel sad because I deserve to be sad. It was a seven-month process, okay? Three weeks is enough time for me to grieve. So I grieved and I, I started to, you know, I'm like, okay, this is rejection. Rejection is is redirection. That's why I'm taking this out. So I took that and I just built moment, momentum on that. And I just like, you know what, for me to get this far, it means that they saw something in me. And that for me is enough encouragement. So for me, I took that rejection and I just used that to spoil myself for And that was really the momentum that took me and eventually brought me, not through the Young Professional Program, but through a separate route into the world bank. Um, yeah thank you thank you so much um i'm learning so much i mean i saw nani's face and i'm sure nani nani didn't understand some processes right (laughs) no no that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot i feel like also it just highlights something like i've i've also been interested in the ypp but i never shoot my shot because even the the fear of like that rejection because <laughs> it's the job so even the fear itself keeps me from applying so just even seeing that just shoot your shot like you never know where it will it will end from just what you've shared yeah. there by by the way by the way um i also got a rejection for ypp right I'm still grieving. Wow. I'm still grieving. <laughs> I'm still grieving. I'm still grieving. I'm still. I'm still nursing my wound. You know. You know. You know when I got my rejection, I just said, "Okay, that was that was it." I just saw it. In fact, they sent it twice. They sent the rejection twice. <laughs> i got your rejection twice and the first time i saw it i was like oh nice cool 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 then they sent it again i'm like i saw the first one i i, I read it <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know you know and i think one thing you know one thing that just really encourages me is to just understand that it's very common to everyone. So if you're a young person listening to this episode right now and you've also gotten rejections like we've done, it's very common. But one thing is very, very important, you know, keep it going. As long as it is something that you find yourself doing in the long term, um, please put your heart to it. So we need to quickly start wrapping up, wrapping up, wrapping up, wrapping up. Because, you know, it's been quite an insightful um, conversation. And thank you so much for... Um, just sharing your experiences. So I think I'm just curious if there was if there was something you were going to change in the international development space. You know what would that one thing be? What's the one thing? I mean, you might be fresh into the space, so you might not know so much. But I'm just curious. You know, with your little experience so far, you know what's the one thing that you think you would like to change about the international development space? I think increased openness between even the older generation because sometimes you look at these organizations and you're like hey how am i going to be 
working in an organization like in the UN in New York or something like working in Geneva for whichever INGO. But you'll find that almost in all these countries, there are some older Nigerians or some mid-level professional Nigerians or Malawians that have made it into these spaces, but we, we don't hear from them. So I think I'd really want more openness from those who have gone before us, especially Africans, to be able to share their stories and, you know, don't get into the, the room and close the door, but leave it open. Let us know, like, okay, what, what does it take? If you, a fellow Malawian, can get this job in Geneva working for, I don't know, Red Cross or whichever INGO, I can probably do it too, but I need to know the realities. I need to learn from your experiences. I need to be able to avoid some of your mistakes. I need to be able to maybe leverage on some of the, the strengths or strategies that you've used. So I think more openness at all levels, whether it's um, those that are in higher positions, are in mid-level, are young professionals. Can we not get keep? Can we help each other? Can we mentor each other? Yeah, honestly, I think Nani has said it all. That's that's just it. Let's not get keep. How can people break into this space? For me, just trying to get in here, I had to do a lot of research just to find out how like how the other people break into this space. It's not information that's publicly available. When we look at other sectors like tech, there's like YouTube videos, there's podcasts, there's webinars, there's articles on how various people broke into young people especially broke into tech. But for development, it feels like it's just... If you don't know it, you don't know it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. You don't know. You don't get it. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just to highlight the work that like uh, a lot of young people are doing in the space, like like you, Joshua, like setting up this platform, there's other people like uh, Teminade Salami, Jennifer Uchendu, um, Larry Globoshepa that are really like putting it out there and creating a pathway for other people to see that it is possible to get in. It is hard, but it is possible. So I think that openness is definitely something that I would encourage more people in development to be like uh, show other people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah like respond to those DMs, guys. We need your help. Please <laughs> help our careers. <laughs> All right, all right. Thank you so much. Just one last thing, just one last question before we wrap up. So, in one thirty seconds, you know, what what's the one advice you can give to a young person trying to go into the international development space? Thirty seconds. One advice. Make it count. Mm, I think find truly what you are called to do, what you're passionate about. And then hold on to that, like hold on to that when things get rough, when people say no, when mentors don't want to mentor you, when the job doesn't want you, like hold on to that because there's a reason why you've been called to do that particular thing. And just, just keep going, like take the L, get up, keep Thank going. you. Thank you, Nani. That's very profound. Tolu, how about you? What would you say? Yeah, one keyword for me is be intentional about your career. Be intentional. No one is going to carry your career for you on their head. You have to be intentional about the decision, the decisions you make about your career. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, um, uh, yeah, believe in yourself. Like I mentioned earlier, you have to believe in yourself. You have to tell yourself that your experience matters. You have to tell yourself that your skills matter. You have to tell yourself that you have the skill set that people are looking out for. Because if you don't, no one is going to tell you. 
So just believe in yourself. You got it. You got it inside you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. From the depth of my heart, I'm really, really grateful. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm just curious, how do I, if I wanted to connect with you, are you happy to share, you know, what's the best way that a young person like myself that wants to get familiar with Nani or probably wants to get familiar with Cholo, you know, how, how do I reach you? Thank you. I feel like for me, the quickest way to reach me is on Instagram because I'm not really on LinkedIn like that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not aware of what's going on in the LinkedIn space yeah. unless I need something from someone. But then <laughs> um, just on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not, they're broken. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not on LinkedIn. So the best would be Instagram. My uh, handle what's your Instagram? is... My handle is Temwa underscore Nani. So T E M W A yes. underscore N A N I. Yeah, that's I right. See you. All right. I see you. That's right. Like even me on LinkedIn, I'm like really trying to hide away. I purposely like it's hard to find me on LinkedIn. So I think Instagram. I see what you guys do there. You get into the space where you're trying to get into the space. You use LinkedIn. When you get out of there, you're like, nah, I don't use LinkedIn anymore. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I feel like also LinkedIn also gives unnecessary pressure, honestly. It's so, so it's like, yeah. I just want yeah. to concentrate on, on what I'm doing and LinkedIn can be a lot. But you can find me on LinkedIn too. My, my surname, O-L-U-S-I-N-A. You can find me on LinkedIn uh, with my surname. Or on Instagram with my handle is at T underscore o-l-u-s-i-n-a um yeah those are the two places all right thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you all so much um thank you all for listening i hope thank you guys you. had fun please if you have questions please feel free to you know tweet at us or send us a dm on instagram and please don't forget to recommend this podcast to a young person that's trying to get into development we love you and we can't wait to hear about your success story so watch out for more episodes uh, I guess that's it. Bye. <laughs> so we'll come to you next time. Bye. 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 Till next time.